I've never seen people online in recent years can directly attack and criticize a party secretary of a province. That's in the past five, seven years. It's basically impossible to do so. Hello and welcome to China Econ Talk. Today is February third, twenty twenty. In this conversation, we'll be taking a timeline of media coverage of the past few weeks of the coronavirus and use it as a jumping-off point to discuss broader themes of censorship and the role of media in society. Our guest Tony Lin is a producer at Quartz for Because China and a longtime Weibo researcher and observer. He's also looking for a book deal to write about censorship in China. So if you like what you hear and can write him a check, please hit him up on Twitter at Tony underscore ZY. Also, if you'd like to support the show, please find my Patreon at Patreon slash ChinaEconTalk.com. Tony, welcome to China Econ Talk. Thank you for having me. So, Tony, let's start with the first rumblings that there was an issue、uh, within the medical. Community in Wuhan. Yeah, I think in the end of December 2019, there have been、um, rumors about a mysterious pneumonia or a new kind of SARS.、Uh, These kind of rumors have been circulating、uh, the internet and WeChat for quite a while before everything became official. And at that time, eight people were. Briefly detained and reprimanded. So basically, on on social network, and there have been a lot of gossips about this pneumonia,、um, which is fascinating. And after a while, in the early January, everything became so much more serious, especially at a time when we see Japan, Korea, and China's other neighboring countries have spotted the virus. Foreigners and people in Wuhan, and after January twentieth, there there had definitely been a turning point, and all of a sudden, people became much much more aware of what was going on out there. Sure. So let, let's let's stay focused on this on this early period,、uh, Tony. Why was the government's initial reaction to、um, you know punish these doctors and and sort of deny? That there was an issue in the first place. What was going through their heads? I can't say on behalf of them, but there has definitely a pattern for the local government to basically cover up the unstable incidents in the early stage. Actually, Quartz, our because China team is working on a video right now. By the time the podcast is published, our video will be online. Can't wait to check it out. So, so, so. How and why did momentum build that、uh, the government, you say, as a, around January twentieth, was no longer able to keep a lid on the story? Yeah, I think we need to go back to look at this particular incident, this、uh, this disease. This is very similar to any other、um, events, public events or disturbances in China.、Uh, for example, the African swine fever. Or a few years back, when Beijing was trying to kick out all those low-end population, but this particular public health crisis is there are three aspects that are very very different. So the one is this is very time sensitive, so you can't really just drag it along and and hope that people can forget about it, much like the earthquake or baby formula situation. And the second is this is a public health crisis. So、uh, the second difference is 
it essentially affects everybody, not just one small group of people, one particular group of people. So you can't really use certain kind of narratives to alienate the group and pick fight between people. What sort of narratives would that be? And what's an, For what's example, a, what's an example of that? A very easy trick is to paint certain kind of people who are advocating um, human rights as. Uh, you know, bribed by foreign in uh, foreign forces and stuff like that. But this time, everybody is affected. So you can't really say all these people, the entire country has been, uh, yeah, uh, bought by by America. And the third the, the, difference, the, 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 the uh, national debt's too big. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, and the third part is this is a public health crisis, and if you hide information, if you censor everybody who's sick, this is not to your advantage because because the government also try to make the disease make make the contagious disease go away. So if you just block all the information, it's actually very very hard for them to address this issue. So all three things together. It made this event. It gives the whole discussion a very, very brief window of media reporting and public discussion. Yeah. So that final week in January was really something like I've never experienced. Um, oh my on, god! On yeah. Chinese, on Chinese social media. So maybe first off, before we get into the um, uh, get into the, the some of the some of the stories themselves, like what was your just like. Like, what was it like for you to 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 sort of be part of this incredible incredible stream of uh, of of news and the whole country turning to one issue and and sort of discourse being freer than it ever has been in in a number of years now? First of all, I I have been covering other stories and I had to and a lot of times I source on Weibo and other Chinese social media and I couldn't do anything because. Because uh, nobody's talking about other stuff. Everybody, my entire timeline is washed by the discussion on the this epidemic. So, well, I think only Kobe Bryant's death had about one day of discussion and it went away very, very quickly. It is, yeah, that's the scale and the depth and the directness is also astounding. I've never seen people online in recent years can directly attack and criticize a party secretary of a province. That's in the past five, seven years, it's basically impossible to do so. But somehow, all of a sudden, people can find a a space to do that. You want to talk about that? That um, yeah. the six the six questions people were demanding the uh, the party secretary answer. So for me, what I saw two days ago was a five minute video of a of Hubei's um, party secretary uh, answering a CCTV reporter's two questions. The first question is, what does he think about some people block the road uh, for the for people who return from Hubei? Uh, the other question, I think, it's about the medical supplies. And the Hubei party secretary basically gave a five-minute no answer reciting a pre-prepared text. That's all normal. That happened before, and that's expected. What's unexpected is that people can actually take that five-minute video and post it online and directly say this this answer sucks and they're not doing their jobs. 
that Weibo was reposted for thirty thousand times. That is that warrants like tens of millions of views. That is, I think, even ten, fifteen years ago, that's that's very, very rare. And normally, these kind of information ha- would be deleted over a matter of seconds, if not hours. Do you want to guess, like, what the dynamics are that have allowed this, uh, this, this space to be created to talk about these sorts of issues? Uh, there are a few different. Well, my my guess is that there are different dynamics play into it. One is that the Uh, the central government had definitely signaled to media that they are allowed to do a certain amount of in-depth reporting, including Global Times and CCTV. They even get to criticize what's going on down there locally on the Hubei Wuhan government and Hubei government.、Um, CCTV. I think there are s-、uh, several segments directly challenge. What is going on out there, and what I've been told anonymously from underground reporters, basically, there had been a brief lift of censorship. The other part that that might also play into it is that it's during Chinese New Year break, so a lot of censors are not at work right now. So actually, <laughs> yesterday was the very yeah, first they're day. They're stuck at home too. <laughs> yeah, they're stuck at home too. Yesterday was the first day the、uh, of the、uh, of people going back to work, and you can see immediately there have been large scale of deletions, and、uh, yeah, I myself was yeah briefly blocked on Weibo for a little while. <laughs> that's unbelievable. If that's、yeah. actually if that's actually one of the causes, that's just that's just too perfect. Yeah, they got it. They got to pay these guys overtime. They got to get them. They got to get them. You know, Ding Talk or whatever. Get some remote access. <laughs> yeah, actually, Ding Talk yesterday experienced tremendous problems because a lot of people they do not go to work. They work from home, so all of them are communicating with yeah over on Ding Talk, and that's not good for the platform. So the fact that、uh, an entire new generation has been able to see a Moment where、uh, people have been very actively criticizing the government. Does this does this mean anything in the long run? Does this change anything? I don't know. I、uh, I have no idea, but it certainly gives me hope. One of the funniest moments on Weibo these days is that there is a fan girl who all of a sudden. He or she just came up with an idea, basically saying that much like the reality TV show popular in China, like Produce One Hundred One, we should have a、um, a TV show called Produce Officials, and people should and and we can just live stream and see how these officials work and vote them off. And then people retweeted and commented, "Commented, you are just reinventing the concept of democracy," which is awesome. It's definitely a re-enlightenment to、uh, the younger generation, I'd say. But I don't know how long that's gonna last because people have very short memories. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. I think Israel actually a while back they had like a "So you want to be a diplomat?" Of、uh, Like reality TV show to join、oh、their God, their foreign、brilliant. ministry. So democracy in China is probably not going to flower any time anytime soon. Though I would certainly buy a, a Tencent video membership if it, if it would get me、um, early access to the. So you want to be a bureaucrat? Episodes.、Um, 
Anyways, but that said, aside from uh, the criticizing the government aspect, there's also been, you know, an entire week where the whole country has been just trying to find information about what is actually going on when it comes to the coronavirus. Um, I had a friend told me that this was sort of like a civics course, like a giant nationwide media literacy colloquium. Uh, do you see any uh, potential fallout of people, you know, perhaps reading news in a more enlightened, critical way after this uh, experience of trying to understand what's going on with the coronavirus? Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, I, I think one of my friends, very close friends, she posted that her parents are used to be the most steadfast party supporters and... Yeah, who who supported constitutional amendments and all of that, basically everything. But this time, they basically lost a lot of trust to not just local, but also central government. I think partially because this thing actually directly affect their life. And definitely the government on the local level and central level made a lot of miscalculations in terms of public uh, perception and the epidemic, the the outbreak itself. I heard a really good anecdote for a friend. He was telling me that, like, um, you know, back in SARS, uh, there there was all this, like, ridiculous fake news uh, going around with his his parents and his grandparents' generation about, you know, like, how traditional Chinese medicine is going to cure this and, and whatever. But this time he said like his parents and his grandparents and their, and their Pumyo trend and their sort of like friend circle, they'd be forwarding around like total garbage articles. And they sort of realized it. And we're asking the younger generation, like, Hey, is this real? Like, what are you guys reading? Like, I feel like what we're not getting the we're not getting the, the real deal here. So seeing, especially because like everyone's at home, right. Um, yeah. So this opportunity for like the young, um, you know, college educated crowd to maybe talk to their parents and grandparents about like what is what is and isn't totally bullshit is a uh, is a is a fascinating dynamic and and you know may have consequences in the future probably not but it's it's certainly it's certainly something that's never happened before. Yeah, I really hope so. But when it comes to Chinese medicine, it's definitely what well, the government's behind. My personal experience is that yesterday or two days ago, I reposted one article basically in Guizhou Administration of Traditional Chinese Medicine. This is an actual bureaucratic branch. And they released a notice asking people not just medical researchers, random people to give advices and possible Chinese medicine prescriptions <laughs> to cure to cure <laughs> Wuhan virus. And and people are very baffled by this. And yesterday my repost was banned. So so other people can't really repost it. So they're definitely still a very, very strong um support from within the gar government for Chinese medicine and and many of yeah I, I don't want to comment on Chinese medicine itself but many of this push they are not very they're not going through uh, strict uh, scientific process yeah I mean it's my, my favorite post was like someone I think Global Times at some point they're just like you know have like two eucalyptus roots and whatever, and you'll be fine. Oh, yeah, and, someone yeah, on, one. and someone on Twitter was like, yeah. And like, why don't you just like drink some like child's urine as well? Um, might right. as well throw that in there. Because that particular recommendation was posted by a Wuhan lab, one of the biggest lab 
so the, the research was done by a lab in Wuhan in collaboration uh, with another lab in Shanghai. And they just post like straight up crazy Chinese medical solutions out there. And it was reposted by People's Daily. So yeah. there's that. Let's talk a little bit about the platforms themselves. Um, how has discourse on Weibo changed over time? So basically, I think there is a consensus uh, on, well, the, the outbreak is bad and the the government should have been more transparent and all of that, and people are not happy with what's going on out there. Uh, but I think the the discussion is much more nuanced, and um, a lot of times it focuses on different aspects of this natural disaster. So people are swinging between holding the government accountable and cheering up for people. But in the meantime, there are constant new uh, news events coming up and uh, people are trying to expose corruptions and expose how horrible it is on the ground, different kind of things. So I don't think there is a unified uh, unified discourse here. So that's another evidence showing that it's not that heavily censored. Usually when an event that's heavily censored, there is, there are certain kind of information contamination and there there are people who are paid to make certain kind of comments and drive the thing into some kind of agenda into a narrative but this time i actually see a pretty diverse uh, more uh, more of a discussion happen in a civil society i guess uh tony can you talk a little bit about the the sort of pro-party doxing um, that's been going on? So let me put it this way. When the outbreak just started, the government was not very clear, not very transparent about the situation out there. And there are a lot of patients stranded at the hospital or they're being sent away from hospital. And they're not exactly sure if they had this new disease or not. And by now, we know the situation was a lot worse than, than what had been exposed. But a lot of, but during that time, it was basically under the dark. It, it was a black box. So at that time, a lot of people, a lot of patients and patients, family members, they came forward and saying that, okay, we are detected. Uh, yeah, my family had contracted uh, pneumonia or this virus pneumonia, and we don't know w- what to do. We're being sent away. We want to hide ourselves. We don't. We 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 want to be put in quarantine. What should I do? And some of these this Weibo got a lot of attention. But in the meantime, well, most people they pay sympathy to what's going on they're calling they're trying to hold local government and, and hospital accountable but in the meantime we do see a huge amount of people whom i volunteered to basically censor or try to block or attack these people who are seeking help so basically what they're saying is that you guys are liars or you guys are creating panic you might not actually have this new disease, but why are you at the hospital wasting people's resources? So that was a very clear narrative. And then the narrative evolved into a new one saying that these people are paid or they're Taiwan spies creating this panic to as an attack on the government. 
which is very very sad because later some of these patients and family members got verified, and their family actually died from the uh, the disease without any diagnosis. Or some some actually got the diagnosis later, and not many people actually came out and apologized. Yeah, it's one of the the saddest moments. So these people who have their family member dying while they're being doxxed, they're being attacked online for for seeking help. You want to tell the story of the three people? Yeah, there are different cases. One case is that there are three women posting, uh, uh, sending out posts saying that my aunt is sick and she 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 had this pneumonia. And then a lot of very very big Weibo influencers were calling calling them out and saying that you guys are Taiwan spies. How come? And you you guys just use one prepared tax. So that's why you guys are all ha- have an aunt dying. It turned out the three women are cousins. Of course, they have one dying aunt, aunt. So there's one, and the other person. It's devastating because I saw, I followed the case, and she had been attacked from from the onset. So in the end, her dad passed away, and not many, not many people who attacked her actually apologized. Yeah, it's like it's the worst corner, dark corner of the internet to me. And the thing is, all these people who attack these patients, they demand they are doing it under, under the name of debunking rumors. You guys are spreading rumors, and they are de- they demand people to、uh, release their medical records, CT scans, all of these. And some people actually they actually complied. The the attackers they would just find a new angle to to so called of course debunk、yeah. the rumors. Yeah. The the trolls, I I think, yeah, it's pretty horrible. And their motivation, it's partly like just for the lols, and also out of a pro party line. I wouldn't say all of them are pro party. What I would say is, it definitely comes out of a place of cognitive cognitive dissonance. In the beginning, a lot of people, or still some people, they still don't think,、uh, refuse to believe the situation is as bad as people say. And they are trying really hard to disprove what they've been told, what they what they have heard, as if by calling out these rumors can actually make them feel better about their current situation. That's my that's my guess. Sure. So it's so it's more like、uh, no, the sky isn't falling down. We don't want to like own up to the fact that there's this new scary disease. Could you elaborate on the roles that the platforms are playing in being truth arbiters to these to these stories? Yeah, let's take a step back. So one of the biggest problem in the early early stage of the outbreak is that most people who are suspect of contracting this virus cannot get a solid diagnosis, and for the hospitals to actually admit these patients, they must. Give out diagnosis. So without diagnosis, all these people must be sent away and basically put themselves in self quarantine. So the main the main problem is you cannot get diagnosis at the hospital. But if you put this information online and seek help, you will be put down and attacked for not for seeking help without a diagnosis. So. More and more people came out with this issue, 
and Weibo started to institutionalize a, a speedy verification system. Basically, just give patients a way to put, give give them a, the a blue orange tick. Saying that okay, I I confirmed that you are an actual patient or a patient's family member, but the problem is the situation is is much much worse, and not everybody has the online infrastructure to or the the resource to get themselves verified. A lot of other people they're reporting on other issues, much like the. What's going on with the? What's going on with the local hospital? What's going on with the local Red Cross? Uh, the NGO, the organization is actually not an NGO.、Um, but the problem is, Weibo by institutionalizing this verification system it actually excluded a lot of people and made Weibo a platform to verify the gossip. The most urgent issue is to. Have more transparent information and let people to speak up. But this verification system doesn't necessarily help. It actually creates more barriers and give the trolls more ammunition to the normal people who are not verified. Okay, you're not verified, so you must be spread、uh, be spreading rumors. And I saw a lot of people attacking a lot of trolls attacking people with this excuse. So we've been talking a fair amount about、uh, Weibo. Do you want to talk a little bit about the dynamics of of WeChat and WeChat articles? Yeah, sure.、Um, I think yeah. First of all, the whole the whole thing started with with WeChat. Doctors discussed in their WeChat group saying there's a new SARS-like virus going on and people must watch out. And these doctors are、uh, briefly detained and reprimanded and signed given a warning letter, which is not very legal. There's no due process on that, but it's a completely different issue.、Um, but WeChat has also been a huge source of information. Both misinformation and the uh, the in-depth uh, investigative journalism. So when it comes to WeChat, there is one genre of of WeChat articles that really caught my eyes. So these WeChat articles are the odes to the to the virus and to the outbreak. Basically, they are very emotional articles praising how great. This outbreak is so that they can it can bring all the people together and build the country, make the country stronger. So basically, t- turn a disaster into a celebration, which is very very disturbing. Even though this kind of article is not,、uh, it doesn't only occur in WeChat, but WeChat system actually has a you know the more people share it, the more the actual monetary benefits. The poster can get, so it won't prevent people from posting these pretty disturbing pieces out there. But there is another thing: is people,、uh, a lot of netizens they use WeChat as a, a citizen journalism source. One of the biggest WeChat events in early stage is that people found a WeChat article from a Hubei performance group saying that. We just had this great Chinese Lunar New Year gala, and our Hubei Party Secretary and the、uh, the Governor they all attended this event, and that was like around January twentieth. And people were furious about that because there's an outbreak, yet you are 
all these officials. They're out there attending this gala, and this particular WeChat article even praised the performers, saying how heroic they are. Some people they actually strive through code to to perform on the stage, and people are like, "Are you crazy?" Yeah.、Um, oh my god. Yeah, that's that's insane, and that actually created one of the early waves of criticism against the local、uh, local party officials. And, and I will say, you know, in spite of the 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 death of the vast majority of.、Uh, You know, investigative journalism. There still are a handful of、uh, Weijing Gong Zhonghao that, once they were able to write stuff,、um, have written some some pretty fantastic investigative piece,、uh, pieces with on the ground reporting that that do real coverage. And every once in a while, they only you know some of these articles they get a hundred thousand shares, which means you know thirty plus million people are reading this stuff、uh, and then disappear within six hours. But the fact that、um, Uh, there are still people out there、um, writing this sort of stuff. I found I found encouraging at least. Yeah,、uh, for sure. I was talking to Maria、uh, Repnikova the other day,、uh, yesterday actually. She was writing a、uh, op ed,、um, and we both think even though we don't know how how long, you know, this stage will last. Actually, I think it ended yesterday. Um, but this res- resurgence of civil society and People's particip- participation in public events. This this gives me some kind of hope. Tony, thanks so much for coming on China Econ Talk.、Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for having me. China Econ Talk is edited by Jason MacRonald and Kaiser Guo. And is a proud member of the Seneca Network from Sub China. For other great shows on China, check out the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, the Pan Daily Tech Buzz China, the New Voices Podcast, and of course, the Seneca Podcast. Now in its ninth year. Until next week. Sing, sing, 时尚的精英搭配什么看我的心情？你可以轻吻我的戒指，但。